Hello and welcome. This is your girl, Pepin, from Pepin Reacts. And here, I got my best friend here, Meter. Meter, how are you doing? Hey, I'm here too. And we're ready for another great, exciting, heartwarming reaction to a show that we watched called Breaking Bad, Bad, Bad. And this episode, I think we might see the return of who, what? Those tidy whities Are you excited, Meter? I've never been more excited for anything in my life, Pepin. Really? What about the pizza? That was pretty good. Listen, if those tidy whities bring dipping sticks. <laughs> maybe not multiple, but maybe just one dipping stick. Oh, the more the merrier. We're going to get this reaction in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, I think this is uh, a cigar. Season three, episode three, IFT. Did I even say what episode we're watching? No. No, no you talk too much about whitey tidies. No. Well, seems typical. <laughs> The lighting is very extreme here. That was season three, episode six of Breaking Bad. And when I say episode six, I definitely mean episode three. But, you know, if I put two threes up, that's six. So, hey, same thing. Now, this episode, we saw the return of tidies, the whiteies, the white here. I mean, Skyler's wearing white at one point, so it all just comes full, full circle. This this is definitely, I'd say, we, we've had kind of like a couple like ch ch uh, setup episodes in a way. This is very much a setup episode, but also kind of pushes things further. And also, I think, kind of like the similar episode, we're getting all these chess pieces, we're identifying what they are, and kind of getting them right into position. But the thing is, it's it's very unclear how these pieces are going to hit and interact with each other. Who's going to be where and who's going to be what. So I, I think my, my impression of the episode is very good. I think there's some great acting from uh, the person who plays Skylar. I think Walt did an amazing job. I think everybody did this, this really good. And this is just very, very entertaining. Meter, what's your general thoughts on the episode? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's kind of a kind of a setup, kind of a payoff at the same time. I think it did a good job of moving the chess pieces around, taking some chess pieces that, you know, were moved back in season one and actually like being like, oh, that's why that was put there for this play now. Um, and I think it did like the last episode. It revealed a lot and it answered a lot of questions. A lot of questions that during the episode you were like asking a question and then it like immediately gave you the answer. So uh, it did a really good job of of answering a lot of questions that we have, tying up a lot of loose ends, and setting up future plot points all simultaneously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I, I think maybe part of the payoff that happened with this episode, because there kind of isn't a lot of payoff. Like if you think about it in certain ways, like there's, it's not like we're pushing forward, but I think we're seeing a lot of resolutions to plot lines that have been built up for a while. Uh, and we can touch more on them as we go throughout, but just to give a quick example here, we have like the, the Ted Skyler plotline. There's been that sexual tension building up, and now we see a resolution. 
there's been kind of the uh, Walt Skyler awkward dad sort of thing and you know not seeing things we see that resolution right there uh we see what's what's jesse doing you know he's getting a house he's cleaning up what's he what's he doing exactly we see that resolution uh when we see this whole thing with the twins we kind of see who are they okay they're they're related to tio and uh you know people and it's a cartel and there's just other thing so we essentially i think it what it is is we get the answer to a lot of questions and we get a lot of payoff for things that have been set up previously a lot of minor things i'd say but still things that are very good to see like you know like get put out there yeah a hundred percent all right, so as far as adjusting the episode, uh, I'm trying to think of a good place to start. Um, maybe we start with Jesse first, because I think Jesse has probably the most minor role, but probably a big role as well. Okay. So give me what happened to Jesse. Um, Jesse is sitting alone in his house listening to Jane's uh, voicemail. Uh, and then Saul comes in and is like, hey, I'll pay you to make Walter cook again. And Jesse's like, okay. And then he keeps for the rest of the episode, just listens to Jane's voicemail nonstop while looking sad. And then in the middle of one of the calls, the line goes dead and her voicemail has now been disconnected. And then in the final scene, we see him standing in the camper in the middle of the desert uh, with a very nice setup, uh, looking like he's going to cook again. Mm, yeah, that side was really nice. That's not the same setup he had before. Mm -hmm. No, this looks like a four batch, like big mm. setup. This is a full, like, professional thing, hmm. as far as professional can be in a camper. Yeah, and so he's he's going full out here, and if anybody's making really good investments, I mean, okay, we can say good investments, you know, in air quotes here, but Jesse's making some pretty good investments here, and he got a $400,000 plus uh, on the steel in the house, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he's putting money towards the lab equipment, which is... You know super pro and you know gonna have good profits you know provided he can cook math appropriately i i think jesse kind of have his has his life put together maybe not the right direction but it, i think it's some good character development to see yeah because last time we saw him cook he wasn't able to get up to the quality that he wanted but he was way above the quality that badger wanted Mm -hmm. Um, so personally, I think he's going to be able to cook, whether it's up to Walt's standards or his own standards or not. It's one thing, but he'll be able to cook something usable. My question is, what about distribution? Uh, that's been, I think right now that's where he has a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We know he can cook, but how can he sell? Is this going to be a teenth at a time again? Hmm. I feel like this is a good opportunity to get Walt back in the storyline with the making meth. I mean, Walt's getting to a point where he's going to be at a low and just needs to do something to gain back control over his life. So I feel like that's going to be the temptation that pulls him in. Uh, I'm a little bit less certain with my initial thoughts about how the direction was going, where Walt's going to get kidnapped and everything like that. doesn't seem as likely at the moment, uh, just granted where some of the plot lines are going. But I think J Jesse may get something of high quality, but I think Jesse is going to be looking for something more. And yeah. I think, I think there's two big story or two big themes that have been throughout the show that are present in this Jesse storyline. Number one is uh, communication with particularly, you know, cell phones and calls. Like it, it's so weird how much like phone calls and kind of, this, this theme of communicating is very, very present. 
just is, of course, in denial, or it, maybe it's a mixture of different things. I think it's partly denial that Jane died. He, he, he can't get over that. Uh, I think he just wants to hear her voice. And it, 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 there's, like, no chance of communication there, like, absolutely none. And similarly, Walt's kind of dealing with something similar on that front, where there's, like, no chance of communication with Skylar, particularly here. I mean, there was, but, you know, she was just kind of getting brunted with the communication. So I, I think that's that's a similar storyline. And I think that the answering machine message for Jane, which it did set up in season two, I think it was very well crafted to have a different meaning at different points in that storyline. Mm-hmm. Like there was like the do not call, like kind of like a almost a command almost. Uh, there was if you're cool, you know, leave a message. You know, Jesse was said to be cool by Jane. So there's that. Uh, there was some other part that had another different context, but was, I think there's like four or five different contexts that the message kind of had in the relationship to Jesse at different points, which I think was kind of interesting. It's a, it's a way, it's almost like when a chorus reprises, but in a different light, it's kind of like that. Yeah, I think that's that's very astute. So, and then when he, when the voice the answering machine stops when the line's finally disconnected for good. That's when Jesse decides to go cook again. Was the, was Jane, was the idea of Jane the only thing keeping Jesse from cooking from that, that life? Let's say it never got disconnected. Do you think he would be in the desert cooking? Hmm. That's a good question. Because I had my own theory about why Jesse would start cooking, uh, mm-hmm. which I can get to in a second, but I want to address that first because that's, that's a very interesting idea. Because essentially, the reason why he got out of the game was because of Jane. Mm. And may- maybe maybe that's also a third or maybe a fifth way to look at that. Like, it's not just like a longing desperation like that, but it's also he needs to listen to Jane's voice because he feels that call of the void. Like, like part of him wants to go back to the meth business. And I think Saul kind of tempted him a bit with that, you know, talking about money and stuff and everything like that. Uh, and so I, I think you're right. I think he was also calling her for that reason too, to prevent himself from going back in, which it's, it's interesting that he would, if that's the case, it's interesting that Jane or without Jane there or without the mem- just, just without the memory there or that thing to hold on to, he just kind of goes right back to it. it mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. There's that kind of gravity to it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he was kind of using her voicemail like a drug. Hmm. He just hmm. kept taking a hit, taking a hit, taking a hit. Anytime he felt low, he wanted to get high again by taking that little hit and just that little, you know, 10 second voice clip. Uh, kept him going and then when that dried up well gotta make more oh i see i see so he he got a he got addicted to that and then he got just need to get from somewhere different source essentially pretty much yeah hmm and i feel like he's in a similar point here with as with walt because he has money but the money is not buying him his heart well i he doesn't have money and Saul said that he does, he's house poor. So he has a home. He bought equity, but he doesn't have liquid cash. And if he did, it's not a lot, you know? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Because the house costs four hundred thousand and yeah. whatever, and then he only had like five six hundred thousand. Yeah. So you know, let's say he has two hundred thousand dollars left over, which he doesn't because he had to pay Sol. He had to pay closing. Like mm. we know there were expenses, but let's just say it's two hundred thousand. Like. How long will that last him? Three years, maybe, if he budgets really well, four years. Even if it's five years, like that is not a permanent solution. He will need to work again. Hmm. But so maybe he's he's thinking of the future at this point. Maybe Jane's voicemail cutting off was him disconnecting from the past and now he's looking at the future. So maybe it's not, you know, the negative connotation of that was a drug, now he's going to a different drug. Maybe there's also the that was the past and now he's going towards the future. Hmm. Hmm. A lot of things to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was your read? Because I I've just thrown two out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think everything you said is is accurate. So let me just point that out first. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I'm gonna put out here, uh, just as another layer, is the layer of pride. And I say that because we saw that with three different characters this episode. And Pride has been a big theme of the show in general. So the first character is Hank. We saw a lot of Pride with, which we'll get to. Um, we saw Walt. And I think we see Jesse's Pride here too. And what makes me think about that is, you know, Jesse felt like he was at a low at, at you know, last season. He felt like he was at a low and kind of starting new. And just, like, he knew where he was, essentially. And he kind of got talked down to by Saul. Also, he got talked down by his family, right? His dad was just kind of addressing him like a junk, you know, trying to like throw a hand out a little bit, but also kind of addressing like a junkie child, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so I think Jesse just kind of like just fed up with people's shit in his appraisal of him. Saul definitely like underappraised him. And so what does Jesse do? He buys the house, right? Mm -hmm. And then he's also dealing with uh, this trauma over Jane. And this is a little bit more tenuous here, but I, I think the connection to Pride there is Jane had appreciation. She had a, a proper appraisal of him I think, that nobody else has had, maybe besides Walt a little bit, right? But I think that's something he was connecting onto there. And then I think in the end, also Saul came back and said, hey, you know, get your partner here to make some meth. And I think Jesse was a little bit offended there because he's like, why aren't you asking me? Mm-hmm. It was a little jab. Yeah. Like, like I'm just as big as part of this as well. So what does he do? You know, he needs to kind of, uh, I think this is the trajectory he's going. He's trying to act out his pride here. or He's trying to prove he's worth something. Uh, and this is why he's trying to make math on his own. It, it's to make a point more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like I can do this. I am something. So he, he takes all of his money and he puts it into this house. And now he's literally sitting in a big empty house alone. And then Saul comes in. And puts a little, a little prickly cactus. He just mm-hmm. comes in and he pokes him. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, <laughs> just this, he's just this little thorn in his side, if you will, that he just puts down next to the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, it maybe that's what motivates Jesse. I think that's a really good read on your part. Mm-hmm. It, it, a little bit of pride involved. Yeah, I, I think that's a good analogy there too, because I I don't think Saul meant it to be like that, but plot wise or metaphorically, that is mm-hmm. kind of the prick in his side that kind of gets him to. Uh, also, yeah. it, it it kind of uh, foreshadows desert, right? Because that's where he cooks. Yeah, it does. It does, and it's something that you don't need to like actually water very much. Like it's just always going to be there as this little prickly thorn. Mm. Like you can't kill it. 
Mm. It's just there. And Saul brings it directly into his house. Yeah. And it's the only thing in his house. Mm. The only other thing was his bed and his phone. And his phone was Jane and that's gone. Yep. Yep. Leaving him alone with a cactus. <laughs> I mean, some people might look at some of these plot lines or some of these analyses and be like, this is like an overreach, but I don't think it is. I think is the, it though? Yeah. No, the, the show writers are very, very deliberate with this shit here. Uh-huh. Like they, they wouldn't have had Saul give anything but a cactus here or r- rather they would have made whatever Saul gives be pertinent to the plot. Was there some foreshadowing there with Saul saying, um, you, you know, you shouldn't ignore a phone call of your counselor. What if I was warning you the DEA was coming to kick your door down? Would the foreshadowing be, be that Saul might have phone calls that he's making that are protective in nature. Um, you know, maybe some sort of parallel there to Walt and that he could have gotten a phone call saying like somebody is literally there to murder you. Like a protective phone call, like don't ignore your phone. Don't cut out the communication with me because I'm on your side type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I, I think there's two things there. So number one, or let's say three things. Number one, I think it is a bit of a reference to what happened earlier in the episode with the twins and mm-hmm. them getting called out, you know, because of a phone call. And if there was some situation, we need there to be some communication with Saul and them. Otherwise, they're going to be fucked, right? In that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true. I think it does indicate that Saul is being real here. Like, you know, this might happen and I need to be able to protect you because you're one of my investments. You know, you know, I, I, I'm your representative. Even if like, I'm not like super on board with you being my client, but you know, you're, you're still part of this. You know, you're still, you're still a stakeholder. So I think there's that. Uh, one thing I'll say is I don't think it's indicating that Saul would be doing a, a hustle on him. I don't think Saul would, incriminate jesse or i don't think he would call anybody on or how how to put this i don't think saul would ever snitch on jesse i don't think it would make Mm -hmm. sense for saul's business i don't think it makes sense for him and his culpability because jesse would just be like hey you know this is my lawyer help me like smuggle this stuff right so i i think he's definitely an asset but i think yeah he's just pointing out like an obvious fact like hey come on try to protect you how am i gonna protect you like this yeah yeah, it seems like everybody this episode ignores the lawyers. <laughs> so next up, um, where should we go? I think Hank is standalone from because Skyler and Walt are so tied together. I don't think we can talk about one without talking about the other. So Hank is standalone. So either now or after them, I think makes the most sense. Okay, so let's do Hank, then the brothers, and then Walt Skyler sort of thing. Perfect. So with Hank, Hank's storyline here, it, it, I think it's the most difficult to decipher. I think I have some ideas, but I'm probably going to need to bounce off some ideas off of you. Okay. But, but just to cover kind of what happened. So Hank, he is, he gets the promotion and, uh, or he gets, he gets the call to go back to El Paso, which is obviously the place where he had that terrific experience he didn't fit in number one so that kind of sucked uh but number two he he has like a lot of ptsd from that and for some reason like uh of course he's trying to play it off like oh this is great but you know obviously it's not he he is very like and so he goes to some shady bar 
which is kind kind of interesting. And he notices two people who are dealing drugs in the background. And uh, it seems like Gomez is on board with taking these people out, right? You know, it's like, you know, we got to bust. Uh, but they both have kind of different ideas of what to do or how to do it. Uh, Hank, he goes to the bathroom and he looks in the mirror. Well, he has like a PTSD event, essentially. And then he looks in the mirror and sees it's cracked. Uh, which I think kind of calls back to some of this like cracked windshield, but in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different lens on that idea. Yeah, like he's broken in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then we see Hank uh, go back out, and then they decide they're going to bust him. And Hank kind of wants to take the physical approach. Gomez isn't going for it. And so then they decide to go out there. Uh, Gomez is like, yeah, we got to do a courtesy call. Which makes sense because you don't know who's going to be undercover agent with these, right? You might mm-hmm. think you're doing a bust, but you might be busting your friends, right? Yep. And that's not a good idea because now you blew the cover. So they go out there. Hank puts his gun under the seat, goes back in, gets into a giant fight, and uh, he ends up winning. Uh, and everyone's just kind of looking at him confused. Hank's confused. His head is very red. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, Gomez you know, later he's at the office in the bathroom looking at the mirror again. And the mirror this time isn't cracked. I think there's something to that. Like he, now he feels like he's a bit more whole. But Gomez kind of like calls him out to his face and kind of gets them to fabricate on a lie, which is a lot of fabrication happening here. Like people trying to fabricate these different lies and trying to tell a story that's not necessarily true to kind of get off legally. Because mm-hmm. if Hank revealed that he didn't have his gun on him, it kind of puts some bad intentions on him. And Hank is uh, a little bit iffy in how he reacts to that. So is, is my general understanding of that plot line good? couple minor corrections. Okay. Um, Gomez is against busting the guys at first. Um, he's he, Hank's like, I think those guys are holding. And Gomez is like, the bartender's probably fucking holding. This place is a dump. Oh, yeah. Um, so he doesn't want to bust. He's like, what the fuck's the point? And then um, Hanks kind of gives him a look like, no, we need to. And Gomez is like, okay, well, then we need to call it in because, like, that's the right thing to do. We need to go through the proper channels. And then Hanks like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go to use the bathroom. So he's saying, like, don't even bother. Like, let's just not. And then he says, you're paying. Let's get out of here. Um, while then he leaves his gun, lies to Gomez. So Gomez isn't calling it in. Mm-hmm. Gomez thinks they're leaving. Hank says he's got to piss again, goes back in. Beats the guys up, which I just want to point out that fight. I like that he got hit. I think there's a lot of times where people like the hero in the story gets uh, like never gets touched. And like, it's amazing because he's so powerful that he doesn't even get touched. I think you can take on two bigger guys than you get hit and still look like the badass in it. Like you don't need to not get hit. I hate that in, mm-hmm. in movies. I like that he got hit. Um, and he got hit right in the eye, which, you know, ends up, he has a cut under his eye later on. And I think that goes to your idea of vision and all of that. And then Gomez tells Hank, well, here's the story I told them so that they can be on the same page with the story they're telling, um, the, their superiors. And that's when he says, you know, I was going out to call it in. You went back in to, to settle, to make sure everything was good. They jumped you. So he was lying for Hank. And then he's like, but just so you know, like what I didn't say is you left your gun. 
So what he's saying is, I know you fully went back in there in the attention and weren't jumped. I know I'm lying for you. Kind of implying, like, I lied for you. What's the truth? And then Hank just kind of gives him a look that, to me, said, you know why I went back in. I went back in literally just to start that. He, like, kind of confirms what Gomez is implying. Mm -hmm. So without saying anything, they're both on the same page, I think. Yeah. Now, the why I don't think Gomez fully understands unless he puts two and two together like we will have to do if we want to try and figure out, like, why did he do it? Hmm. Uh, but I think there's enough context that Gomez has the same information we have. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think Gomez has had he's kind of seen the undercurrent of this because hmm. I believe in season two, there was a scene or two where Gomez was kind of talking to Hank and not being super pushy about things, but I think he was kind of getting feelers out there because he felt something was off with Hank. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? I think, that? I think he knows Hank well enough to mm -hmm. know Hank. Okay. Okay. And, and I think he probably assumed something seemed off because Hank was being so pushy there. And yeah, the way you put it, it definitely makes sense because Gomez was kind of kicking the streaming the whole way through. He's like, no, what, let's not do this. Just trying to get him to back down, but nothing worked. Yeah, because this isn't their scene. This isn't what they do. You know, this isn't their job. This is this was Hank looking for a fight and Gomez not understanding that until after it happened. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Right. Hmm. He's like, we can still go to Texas Roadhouse and get the Blooming Onion. Like he was every step of the way saying, let's get you out of this situation. Let's let's leave this situation. Yeah. And Hank just kept pushing. Hmm. Yeah. So there's. A lot of different potentials here. Answer me this. When did they decide to go to that place? Was it before Hank got the call or was it after? Right after. Right after. I think it was like that evening. Well, actually, it was still day. It might have been like literally right then. Hmm. So I'm still processing this. I have my, I have my theory here. I want to hear what you think. And then I'm going to try to build off that. I mean, it's a lot harder for me to say what I think. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, okay, J just just stall for like one minute then, and then I'll, I'll give my thoughts. Okay, okay. so uh, I think that... I think that there is plenty of evidence to say that Hank, still, where he still has the PTSD, he doesn't want to go back to El Paso. He gets the call and he gives... He says what he says to Gomez, but then he has a look on his face that's clearly like, I don't like this. Like, So I think he was there to start a fight, and he did. And he may not have even known at first that that's why he was there. But he, that's what he was there, to start a fight. Um, and you know, hope, maybe hoping that being in a local fight will prevent him from having to go to El Paso. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for stalling there. I think that's helped me clarify a couple of things. Because mm -hmm. there's like, I think three or four different things in this. And it's multi-layered. This is where this is a really confusing scene. And things are done, not like, uh, or th things are shown, not like told essentially in this. Mm -hmm. So we have the obvious aspect where Hank gets the news. And then he, he is not happy at all about this. And he feels like he's, number one, out of control. And then Number two, he feels a bit wounded pride-wise. And then uh, he, he just also feels, feels like he needs to act out a bit too, right? Because he's got all this like pent-up emotions and he can't tell anybody because he hasn't told anybody he's been like 
like like petrified here about all this stuff. So he decides to take Gomez to this shady bar and, you know, kind of kind of find like a, a low end drug bus because Hank was obviously looking for something here and he, he sees something and he's kind of contemplating taking action there. And I think to himself, he's trying to prove that he is who he says he is, right? He's trying to prove that pride out, similar to how Jesse's trying to prove his pride out, right? So what does he do? Well, he, he kind of like starts positioning his words, but then he he faces, faces that like, poof, like in his heart there. And he goes to the bathroom and he's just having like a, like a PTSD panic attack, essentially. And then he looks up at the mirror, sees his broken, shattered f- face and again, kind of like the, the eye metaphor, the vision, but also like he feels broken and he feels broken because he feels like he should be able to take action to be the hero, to do something good, but he feels like he can't do it. And when he goes out there, he kind of feels like he has to overcompensate for this. So what he does is a complete overcompensation. Uh, he, he still gets kind of Gomez, Gomez on this, uh, and they kind of go out. He doesn't want guns to be involved. Uh, partially probably because guns were involved in, like, when he shot Tuco, which he was definitely very, very, uh, I think he was more disturbed about that than he let on. And he he goes in there, and this, he just wants to fight, right? He has to get this regression out, this kind of energy, and he has to win back his pride. And, you know, and he also wants to get in trouble too, because he doesn't want to go there and he needs some pretense for him to kind of get taken out of this mission. So I think all of those reasons involved, and there's one more that I forgot, but I, I think it's pride. I think it is, uh, I, I think it's self-defense, aggression. And I guess right, the last thing is, I think this is also kind of like a season one Walter, where Walt would commit these violence acts or he would kind of do these extreme actions to gain a sense of control over his life because Walt in the past, he gained that control through his aggression. And Hank here is kind of in the same kind of scenario with uh, Walt because he, he has this thing. He's been diagnosed with El Paso, essentially. And what does he do? He needs to kind of get away from this. He needs to do something to gain back that sense of I can direct myself. So what he does is he acts out violently to kind of gain that sense of I can choose what I'm doing. I, I, I have something. So that's my big like uh, brain fart right there. I want to get your thoughts. No, I think all of that's uh, all of that's apt and, and on point. Um, I don't I don't have any any holes to poke. Just oh, man. I just I, I just gen- generally agree. Okay. Okay. Do you think the point about pride is a little bit phoned in there, or do you think that's accurate? Uh, I think there's some there. I think Hank has less of an issue with with pride, but he also like he realistically, if he doesn't want to go to El Paso, he should just say that. Mm-hmm. But he, instead, he's trying to take the like take that out of his hand, out of his own hands, and put it and make somebody else tell him he can't go. But the why is the re- is the question? Is this because he doesn't want to to look bad? Is this because he doesn't want to have to fight people about this? Um, who who would he have to fight about this? Maybe Marie. 
Uh, we know she was super excited about the idea of El Paso previously. She she was she was a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, but how would she react if she if Hank said, "I got offered a promotion and I said no"? Um, us knowing Marie and how she's very straightforward and will say exactly how she feels and seems to push Hank towards whatever she feels. Would would is that just something he doesn't want to deal with? Is that part of it? Mm-hmm. I I think definitely not wanting to deal with it, but I, I'm I'm gonna double down on my pride argument because I think Walt, or sorry, I think Hank saying that he wants to be just a normal regular DEA agent is kind of the same as like Walt telling that those people at the party that he wants to be a high school science teacher, right? Like where where Hank thinks he is or feels like. It's not that Hank feels like he is up there, right? But this is how people perceive him. And I don't think he can try to let people down his pride. I don't think he can, like, admit he's down here and this is where he wants to be. And I, I feel like it would just be a big blow to him. Like, like he, he, can't, he can't come down from that talk. And mm. I, I think a similar thing as Walt. Walt was kind of forced to because, you know, he is a high school science teacher. But I, I think Hank has a harder time, like, c- coming out with it. And it, he's also not very good with expressing his emotions in general. But I, I think there's a similar dynamic there. But in, in different in different, uh, in different areas or different mm. spectrums of context. Okay. All right. So let's move on to uh, twins. Mm-hmm. So give me a little bit about the twins. Uh, first, we see Tortuga. Uh, and we understand that he's, we know he's part of the cartel, um, from previous episodes. Uh, he's an informant for the F for the DEA. Uh, then a guy comes in that we haven't seen before and talks to him for a little bit. And then, uh, it's his boss apparently. So we know he's higher in the cartel than Tortuga. Um, then he pretty much gets murdered by the twins, um, in a bar in the back room of a bar. Um, so we know that the twins are also with the cartel at this point um, and also work with this guy. Then we see them steal a car from some lady uh, so that they can transport Tio to a meeting with Gus. Okay, hold on just one second. That's why they... <laughs> I shouldn't be able to figure it out. I'm like, did they steal the wheelchair? You were like 99% of the way there. <laughs> I mean, he's still transportation. I guess I was riding that much. Yeah. I mean, he still had his wheelchair because it had the bell. Mm, yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Z- sorry. I interrupted you there. No, you're fine. That, w- that was where I was going to stop because that's that brings okay. us to the meeting with Gus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as what we established, there were Tortuga. Uh, so he... We, we kind of knew all those plot aspects. I think we just see the players involved. I mm-hmm. think you could have made a reasonable guess that it was the same party involved in Tritika's death, like, earlier. But yeah. it doesn't really matter, prediction-wise. I think it's, like, zero. It, it explains something, but I don't think that had to be explained that way. I think it does two things. It introduces this guy, um, this Hefe character, and it also shows the ruthlessness that we've seen of the twins, but shows them as like the go-to hitmen. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right, right. It, it, it talks them up a bit. Hmm. It also ties them to the cartel, which we hadn't had tied before. You were under the assumption that they were working for Gus. 
And now we know they're working in direct conflict with Gus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the last part's not accurate. I didn't think they're working for Gus. You did until last episode. I, I, I thought there was a separate party. Because I think, I think I said, though, let's not get into the weeds on this, but I'm pretty sure my opinion was that there was a third party involved, and that's who the twins were. And that the third, that they had some dealings with Gus, but they weren't Gus's direct men. Okay. But, uh, you know, if, if I thought otherwise, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, but, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, uh, so, yeah, so they have a dealing with them. It, it's kind of weird how this guy, uh, the, the boss guy, is just like, oh, yeah, behind this uh, sheet here. And then there's other people in the bar, and he just, like, he's like, okay, here's a beheading, just behind the sheet. You know, let's hope we don't scare away customers. Mm-hmm. Seemed a little bit extreme, but maybe they're used to it there. Yeah, I think that's kind of the implication. They also mentioned multiple times that it was a really shitty town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is the same town that uh, they were doing the 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 worm crawl in? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they seem like they're used to seeing that kind of shit. Yeah. But, all right, so... Uh, they, the, the twins, they are a separate party. And so we get to the meeting here. And the meeting, it makes it clear that uh, the, the boss guy is, is not in opposition to Gus. They're not the same party, but they're kind of two mutually beneficial partners, essentially. With the cartels on one end. And I feel like the cartels are probably a bit higher than, than Gus on this rung. Or at least they have more resources. So they're a bigger organization. So I think Gus is definitely lower here. Uh, at least as far as power goes. And the boss, I thought he may have been related to Tio and them, but it doesn't seem like he is because he addressed Tio by his like full name, which could just be the case, but I think there's a little bit of distancing there. It's like, this is one of my men. And we also got confirmation that uh, Tio was the original distributor in that area. And he taught uh, um, Tuco. Tuco everything you knew. So we got some confirmation there. And Gus has a very strong financial interest in wealth, it seems. Like very strong to kind of play his hand like that. And it, for, for the time being, the boss is laying off. But it doesn't seem likely that the twins would be laying off. Because they had like a very... Honestly, they've had the same impre- like like expression this whole like time we've seen them, but mm-hmm. that expression is still very uh, unnerving. Mm. Like like it it's like violence without like imp- imposition or I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly. But uh, the one key takeaway I had from the scene is Gus. I feel like has a better hand than he's letting on. Mm. Yeah, maybe so. I I think it's very interesting because Gus says, um, you know, I'm doing business with him right now. Leave him alone. But as soon as I'm done with him, he's all yours. So this is like another threat of death hanging over Walter other than his cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like not only is money a really good reason for Walter to go back into business with Gus, but literally if he doesn't, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even know that, and that's the biggest, the biggest kick in the balls of all of it. Hmm. 
Yeah, he's not seeing the full the full picture he's involved in, which is true from the very beginning of the episode. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah things are kind of happening outside of Walt, in a way, and kind of in the way that he had cancer growing inside him before he knew he had cancer, and it got to the point where it was terminal. They didn't. It was inoperable. They didn't think he was going to survive. Like, he didn't know about the cancer until he knew about the cancer. So, like, and then it changed everything. Hmm. And right now he has this cancer growing that he doesn't even know about. I, th- I think I'm going to I'm gonna add on to that analogy there. Because I think in this instance, it's more like Walt is the cancer. And people are trying to cut him out now. Like, like they're, they've identified that he's there. And now they're trying to deal with him. Yeah, I guess it just depends what perspective you're coming from. That's true. Whether you're from Walt's perspective or whether you're from uh, their perspective, okay? Yeah, uh, I I would also say I think t- I think there's implication that Tio is above Hefe, above this boss character we learned, because the boss addresses him as Don Salamanca, mm-hmm. um, as a Don. So that's like very high up in cartel. Um, so this guy is either same level or lower to address him that way. It, it, I thought Don. Okay, so Don Don is like a title. I believe so. Okay. Uh, Cartel Don. Um, Don is a title for someone revered for their power or wealth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so, so let me just reestablish that. So uh, you're saying that the 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 Don guy is or, or where where is Gus in relation? Is he below Don or this guy or is he above? I'm not sure. Based off of where, like based off of the conversation, it seems like they are two businesses working independently. Mm-hmm. But me, but um, they're like two separate distributors, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But Gus has a very firm territory that the cartel has said you can have this territory, and if the cartel is saying that, then the cartel is probably getting a cut. So, I think the cartel owns everything, but says you can use, you can lease, and sell in this area. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Yeah. Which, depending how high up uh, Hector Don Salamanca is in the cartel, would define how much he's able to to adjust that. But clearly, the um, there, you know, the cartel is right now saying, "We'll we'll listen to what you're saying, but it's not going to last forever." So. Mm-hmm. Right. These guys may act outside of us, and we're not going to stop them. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe the way to put it is, Gus is probably underneath. Uh, you know, uh, Cartel does have has more power, but maybe Gus has some sort of home field advantage, or has some has some leverage at least right now. Yeah, I would say Sol- uh, Tio probably should like is on the same level as Gus, except he's has an extra layer of respect within the cartel. Oh yeah. Because he's part of like 
the a family that's fully integrated and Gus is kind of an outside player but has a bigger territory and is making a lot of money actively mm. whereas Don is riding on the title uh Gus is riding on current production which is a big deal hmm. putting them kind of similar level that's all based solely on what we currently know there may be stuff we don't know yeah yeah i think the biggest question for me is how these twins are going to play into the plot later because right now they're wild cards there's the plot point about them seeing the baby and they made a very good note of that so mm-hmm. it makes it seem like the baby's in danger uh, there was a couple plot points with uh, Gus and Walt that kind of made it seem like Gus had some interest in the family. Uh, that, that's a little bit more tenuous, but I think there's these different plot points that are converging on that. But Gus, I can kind of predict a little bit, I think. Uh, though, again, he, he's, he's keeping his... I don't think Gus really reveals what moves he's making. I, I think he's more just trying to... He's, he's like orchestrating behind the scenes. He doesn't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they're twins though I think they're like very straightforward but they're also just like very erratic very very uh, like I, th- I think you might put them on like uh, lawful evil but you can't see y- their inner rationale is hard to determine but they have some rationale to what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah I mean they're they're hard to, to read in general they're just they seem very single track minded thus far Mm. they just there's things that need to be done and they do it like no there's nothing stands in their way they just make things happen <laughs> that's true the, the need a the need a wheelchair mobile well let's just take it from this lady yeah they needed clothes they just took it from somebody they gave stuff up like they don't have like they don't give a shit about money about things they're like they're literally just there to murder walter for murdering their family it's blood for blood like they are like the perfect hitman. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, you might get a car. True. Mm-hmm. That'd be a goat, though. <laughs> so next up, we have... Uh, who's next after this? Uh, Walter Skyler. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's see. The Which one, which one would be easier to tackle? Let's, let's, do, let's do Walter. Uh Walter is just so fucking awkward, like this episode. He's been awkward the last couple episodes, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know. I, I could see this shit on like r slash cringe. Like, he he he's playing his hand though. This is the thing. So he he forces himself inside the house. Uh, Skylar is like, get out of my house, and she's like, nope, I'm gonna stay right here. And he's trying to make this work regardless. And I think it's a bit, a bit like a bit of just like playing into the fantasy of what he wants. But I also think he's also putting his hand out there and he's accepted the consequences, even if he goes bust, right? If Scour ultimately does call the police on him and he gets put in jail, that is far better than to not have any time with his family because without his family everything was for nothing so this this is his his uh going all in essentially yep and i mean that's what he said he's like if he's like call the cops do what you gotta do if i don't have my family i literally have nothing to lose mm-hmm. Hmm. i gotta say I, I hate to admit this but uh 
Okay, I don't think I would be in Walt's situation, but I might do similar to what Walt's doing right now if, if I was in that predicament. Like, I'd, I'd probably just keep, keep trying to pretend like everything is normal, like everything's great, and just you know, hope that maybe eventually it sticks, right? And it's obviously not a good strategy. It's obviously cringe, and it's not good. I don't, I don't think I'd overplay my hand like Walt's doing, but I, I could see myself scum, you know, going in that direction to some degree. He's also using quite a bit of uh, emotional manipulation, and he's using other people as pawns. Oh, yeah. I.e., the his child, mm -hmm. or both of them, for that matter. Mm hmm. Hmm. Uh, he he's utilizing Walt Jr. to a great effect. Mm -hmm. He even brought in my man Lewis into the mm -hmm. picture, right? I mean, I, I, Walt's just trying to say, "Hey, Skyler." I've got God on my side. Well, I will. Uh, anything that we need to to air out, we can do in front of God. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that Skylar, or he at least assumes that Skylar is not going to come come out with the drug stuff for some reason. And we can touch that up on Skylar, but he's pretty confident about that. And I'm pretty sure he's confident about that because of what happened with. Uh, everything that Saul said to him before. Mm -hmm. is, is there anything more to it than that? I mean, probably knowing Skylar too, but beyond that? I would say knowing Skylar as well. Yeah, okay. I think he's I think he's taken the time to do the math. Okay, yeah. Because it, it... Yeah, that's the thing. It's cringe. It, it's like fucked up to do, but it doesn't come across as reckless. Yeah. It, it's just playing high stakes, essentially. Mm-hmm. And no, he's completely right. He he has his name on the title of the house. There's been no domestic um, dispute here. I mean, th there's of course the issue of the meth, right? But at looking at everything but that, you know, Walt doesn't have any reason to be kicked out of the house from a legal perspective. True. So, so yeah, and it, it is interesting that Skylar is trying to take this approach, but she can't buy it. But she can't. She's in, she's in a bind, like, like yeah. What would you think about his speech with the money? Hmm. He pre he pretends to leave, so that Skyler will come out. Skyler comes out, and there's a she's immediately confronted by a massive sum of money, and then Walt does his whole speech. Was that he trapped her? I didn't I didn't he, catch that context. He but, didn't trap her. He tricked her. Yeah. But yeah, he was manipulating her to leave the room. Hmm. That, I think that's what he needed to say. I think it's what he needed to say, though, like last season, not this season. Well, I mean. I mean, he didn't have the money at that point. That's the problem issue, right? Yeah. And I, I think everything he did there was really effective. And I think it did, it didn't sway Skylar's heart, but I think it put her in the right lens, right? Because mm. she was struggling to understand what Walt was going through his head. And I, I don't know if her interpretation of this was like, he did it for a reason, I feel better, or he did it for this reason, like, fuck you. Like, I, I, I feel like it's a bit of both. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to get a sense of that, but I, I feel like she was almost like, 
not heartwarmed, that's not the right word, but she felt like, thank God it was this, not something worse. Like, like I understand where you're coming from now, and I, I, I understand you do care about us a lot. But I also feel like it's almost like uh, someone committed murder to on your behalf, and you didn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, how do you think it compares to her conversation with Ted last episode? Where she asked Ted pretty much the same the same thing that Walter told her without her asking this time. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm trying I'm trying to think about how this would play out. I think I don't think season two Skylar, if Walt came out with this, I don't think she'd be on board at all. And I think she might even threaten to leave. But I don't know if she... I'm I'm trying to figure out if she would, like, leave or she'd stay. Because it's kind of a bit of a coin flip. I think part of the reason why she stayed with Ted is because of the the whole, like, uh, like, like the turning up the temperature on a frog or whatever. Mm -hmm. What am I trying to say? Like, like the temperature has increased gradually for the amount of deceit here, you know, throughout these... This, this character arc for Skylar. So I think that would have been acceptable maybe here at this point, but season two, maybe it would be a bit too much of a jump for her to make. But at the same time, I think she could go either way. I think she might accept it eventually. I mean, Ted was honest from the word go though. Mm-hmm. The second she called it out, he was like, oh, well, you caught me. Here's the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hasn't ducked anything. He did. He's doing in theory, the same thing for the same reasons. But he's been honest with her every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So maybe it wouldn't be as salvageable because he wasn't honest to begin with and just kept on lying and lying and lying and lying. Since yeah, since- and and at what point in his cooking, in his decision-making, could he have started being honest? Yeah. Like, day one? Hey, I'm getting with an old student and cooking meth to sell by the team, like on the street. Uh, maybe probably not then. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about when he starts making massive amounts? How about after Tuco? How about when he actually has the money, but he has no way to launder it? Like, at what point would he have been able to have this conversation other than right now? Mm-hmm. Did it take getting to the breaking point to be able to open up the gates? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very on the side that she would definitely say no. But I, I feel like she would be accepting if Walt had actually died. Like, I, I think she would have been like, oh, it was not for nothing. Or, yeah. you know, I, I, I get it now, right? But the fact that he's still alive, that makes it complicated. More complicated yeah. for her ethically. Hmm. Okay. So then we... I, I think the last thing with Walt is he, he he's very manipulative here. I think mm-hmm. he does a very good job of, you know, I, I think he's saying all the words he needs to to try to convince. Now, it definitely is very manipulative, but I think he's also being very real, very rational too. Okay, so some of the stuff is just manipulative, right? You know, inviting Lewis over, you know, getting the whole Walt Jr. thing, staying in the house, you know, that's all the manipulative shit. But I think the stuff he said was very truthful for the most part. And... I th- I think at the end there where Skylar dropped the bomb on him of uh, I fought Ted, uh, we see him 
I, I, I see we see him just kind of break. Like he's been putting on this face and trying to keep things going, keep him alive, but it's like he he can't he, he can't keep on with this fantasy anymore. Or he knows his relationship with Sky was broken, and I feel like he had his heart broken right there. Mm. Is that the equivalent of Jane's phone being cut off? Hmm. Don't say fuck you to me. <laughs> no, I'm th- I'm thinking about it. Okay. It seemed like a Pepin moment to be like, fuck you. Hmm. Yeah. Can you expand upon that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to th- think that out and not coming up with an answer. Uh, there's an obvious truth of a broken relationship directly in front of you, a broken romantic relationship, uh, absolute denial and clinging on to situation that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and then a bombshell being dropped right on your lap, right in your face that you absolutely cannot ignore that brings you back to reality. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I think it's completely right. It is a parallel there. And I, I also think it's, in addition to that, a bit of a uh, outplaying Walt because Walt's been making this super awkward for Skylar this whole fucking time with mm-hmm. just being around, trying to act all happy and act like nothing's happened. And then I think Skyros is like, oh, you're going to do this? Well, guess what? I fucked Ted. And now mm-hmm. Walt can probably barely stand to be around Skylar. I think he's going to have a really tough time just staying around. Yeah, it was a, was a turning of the tables. Hmm. Because then she sits down at the table and just starts acting all, you know, nice and like everything's fine mm-hmm. while he's stuck there like the fuck just happened. Mm, yeah. Oh, that. D- do you feel for Walt in that instant, or are you kind of like he deserves this, or maybe not? He deserves. It. He definitely deserves it, right? But like, what's your emotion there? Uh, mostly just confusion. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm interested to hear her rationale, um, because like he. He's saying everything he's doing is for the family and he's like earning this money for the family and for the future. And what she's doing is completely destructive. But would she have the same rationale to say, well, I did this for the family because we need to break up in order for our family to work properly. And you won't do that unless I take an action. Or is she willing to admit like I did this for fully selfish reasons or like what I'm, I want to hear her side and I don't think we know her side. Hmm. Okay. Walt did all of the talking. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm considering this. So let's switch over to Skylar, and then I'll expand upon my thoughts on Skylar in, in the end there, because I have my own ideas. I'm still trying to flesh mm-hmm. them out. I, I think this episode is definitely one of those episodes where a lot goes unsaid, or there's things being said, but there's a lot left up for you to process and interpret which kind of makes it a little bit challenging. At least discussing just after first watching here. Mm-hmm. And it also probably makes it difficult for you because you might know how things play out and you can't say too, too much either. So yeah. it, it's kind of a double bind. But uh, so Skylar's situation. So g- give me a little bit about Skylar. What, what happened with her? We covered part of it. Uh, she's singing animal songs. Then she comes home and Walt's there and she's like, the fuck? And then she goes in and calls the cops, has to deal with all of that, can't 
say anything to the cops. The cops are like, did he hit you? She's like, no, it would, he would never do that. It's not, he's not a danger in that way, but he is a danger. And they're like, if you can't tell us, we can't do anything. Goes to talk to the divorce lawyer. The divorce tells the divorce lawyer what's going on. And she's like, you need to like, let me handle this and get him out. I will get him out of the house today and he'll go to jail. And she's like, well, I'm just kind of hoping that he dies. Uh, and then uh, has the confrontation with uh, with Walt where he explains everything that's going on from his perspective. She doesn't say anything. And then she fucks Ted and tells Walt at the end. Mm-hmm. So at the moment where Skyler started calling the cops, did you think she was going to report him for any drug thing when you first watched this? Um... I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know because I know it, it's like how dangerous does she feel Walt is? Does she feel he's a danger? Or is she is she really mad about him selling drugs? Or is she really mad at their relationship and how broken it is? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, th- th- that's an interesting framing right there because I, I think it is a bit about the drugs though. Like I think that's definitely there. But I think more so, I think you're right. It's more about the lying. Like, that's what really killed her with with this relationship. And I think that's what's really affected her. And that's why she's so vindictive there at the end. Like, like I think that vindication comes out of being lied to. Mm-hmm. And so she creates her own truth, essentially. That yeah, and I mean, Walt says right at the end, right before she says that, uh, something to the effect of, like, telling the truth is nice, isn't it? Like, we should <laughs> always be doing this. And that's when she says her line hmm so, so from my understanding of skylar i didn't think she would report walt uh, mm-hmm. i could definitely see her trying to get him kicked out like th- that makes sense but that's kind of like little stakes uh but i i did not see her selling him out it's partially for the reasons that saul gave but i, I think she does still feel something and i think she doesn't want to have any part of it. I, I think her and Skylar, sorry, I think Gretchen and Skylar are kind of similar in that point of view. Like, like if you're doing some crazy shit, like just, just try to leave me out of this. So there was an interesting scene with the lawyer and what happened with the lawyer is she's trying to get some advice. The lawyer makes it very clear that there's a client attorney privilege, which is true. Duh. And that anything that goes to her, she can't reveal. And at this point, Skyward tells the lawyer about what happened. And the lawyer is like, oh, I know what we should do absolutely here. Like gives the actual rational explanation here. And I feel like this scene was not at all Skylar coming clean or trying to get anything to move forward. I feel like she's been holding in the secret for so long, kind of a similar way that Hank's been holding in the secret. Same way, Walt's been holding in the secret, but I think this the secret's been just like weighing on her, and she just had to tell somebody, and this is the one person she could tell. Yeah, uh, that, and it's a good device for the audience to understand what she's thinking because there's nobody else she can talk to about. Like we we don't know what she's thinking because she can't talk to anybody, so we can't oh. see that. Hmm. You know, so this is an opportunity for us to understand. Well, why doesn't she? Like, what is she thinking? And that's when she's like, "Well, I just thought he would like he's gonna die." So, like, I don't see why I should destroy our family bec- if, you know, he's just going to die soon anyway. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. The plot, plot device wise, that's a what what I'd call like a very effective plot device mm-hmm. because it's a in universe explanation for Skyrim to give her explanation. Like that makes complete sense. It, it flows with the plot. It doesn't naturally just kind of. It's not just like exposition. Here's what Skyrim's thoughts are. It's mm-hmm. kind of like very effective in that manner. So uh, after that, uh, or somewhere around that, so Skylar is kind of going along with this awkward house party. Uh, and I don't think she has much choice here, right? Uh, be- because she could move back into Hank and Marie's or whatever, or get a hotel, but it gets starts getting really complicated really quick. And mm-hmm. I think she's just chosen the path of least resistance. Yeah, I mean, she's like, she's kind of been cornered into this predicament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where it's cringe because... Uh, like, what is she supposed to do? Like, it, 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 both is putting sonners. It's like ugh. the lo- the lawyer had also said to her in a previous episode, like, you need to stay at your house. You need to maintain residency there, otherwise, you're forfeiting the house. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So hmm. she doesn't want to do that, and hmm. I think that's a big reason Walt wants to get back, because he recognizes that like him not living there could imply that they're separated. And that will make him lose the house, but more importantly to him, his family. Ah, I see. And Walt's been very clear about them not being separated. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest, the bigger thing even then than that is when he's giving his speech, he says like, everything I've done, I have to live with now, but don't make it for nothing. If I don't have my family, then all of the things I did was for nothing and like, He's he's getting to the point where in the past he's been in denial. I'm the bad guy. I can't be the bad guy, he says to to Saul. Now I think he's at the point where he's saying, I can be the bad guy if it's for good reason. Uh, but if I don't have the good reason, then I'm literally just a bad guy for nothing. And that's what he doesn't want. He doesn't want the I'm a bad guy for nothing. I see. He's willing to be bad if it's for his family. Hmm. Hmm. Right, right. Just want to think about with that one, because what what caused that character shift with him? Besides, it, maybe it's just contemplation. Maybe he's ex- maybe he's having to accept this because this is his only way forward. He can't mm-hmm. move forward if he doesn't accept that. Like, how else is he going to play this? Besides just being an idiot, which, or, or maybe not. Like, I think last episode he appeared stupid. Or not stupid, but he's he 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 appeared very erratic here, and I think now that he has that lens, he's able to focus himself into something productive. And obviously, that production is not very, uh, it's maladaptive. It's, it's very negative, right? What he's doing, but he's getting a lot better results than he was prior. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, and so Skyler has this uh, interaction. She's kind of take on what Walt's saying. And I want to get your take on what you, nothing said, but do you think Skyler appreciates the gift that Walt's giving in the money? Do you think she cares about that? Do you think she's like considering that as a part of how she's going to play this off with Walt? Like what is her, what is her take? Yeah, I, I do based only on her reaction upon seeing the money. Mm-hmm. And she was willing to just be quiet and let Walt talk. So I think at least that um, Im- has some implication for that. Um, the question is, does she think the ends justify the means? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she doesn't even know all of the means. So like, will she know that? Um, hmm. at, at what point will some of that stuff come out and become part of her decision-making here? Um, Hmm. But at minimum, I I don't know. I think we we have yet to see because Walt did all the talking, not her. Yeah, yeah. I I think part of the storyline with Ted drives me to think that she's willing to accept the money because we have Ted who kind of is in a similar situation, and I I think it's kind of saying that she's willing to accept the money, but she's not happy about it. She's willing to like she, she she's willing to elicit fraud, um. But very unhappily, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think if it if it wasn't for the money, I think she would just be like, Ugh, right? But I th- I think she's willing to go along with it. And okay, this this is a very tenuous connection, but I think there's something there with Jane and Jesse to some degree. Uh, like m- money kind of changes how you look at things to some degree. Skyward, I don't think as much, but I think it does play a factor for. Her. I mean, seeing it right there in cash doesn't hurt either, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his play. That was the whole play was, look. Mm-hmm. It, it, it not only said, you know, it's not only like, here's a bunch of cash. He said what this cash is. He put a mm-hmm. name to it. Mm-hmm. So we have the whole thing with Ted. Uh, we can, maybe we can call him Creepy Ted. I don't know. Uh, like, like, I want to hate on Ted more, but I feel like I can't. Like, definitely creepy, but... Right now, he's getting wrapped up in Skylar's game. So, mm-hmm. Skylar is when, when she's when she's at the the, the in, in the cafeteria. You can tell she's thinking something through, and I think her thought process here, and this is big speculation, but I think she just feels like she's being outplayed and she's not in any sort of control. And kind of going back to kind of Ted or not Ted uh, Hank sort of thing with feeling out of control with everything because here she's not having any control over her life and she's starting to think of the one way to number one get control of the situation but also number two how to get back against Walt because she just feels attacked and she has to fight back and so I think she comes up with the one way she knows to kind of hit him where it hurts and she sleeps with Ted which Mm -hmm. Ted is happy to oblige yeah. So from there, she gets back there. She is caught off guard by Lewis. I mean, we are. I mean, he's there ever present, but we see him in person. It's blinding to the soul. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she plays her hand. She plays it hard. She has the same sort of face and expression and just kind of demeanor she had when she told Walt the fuck off in the last season. And... I, I, I think before where like, in the last season she seemed a bit more like, uh, like pushing away. Here, this is more like a double middle finger. Like she's just more vindictive than anything. I think I, which makes me think it's definitely more about the lying and the the vindication than it is about. Uh, like I feel like she's like you put me in the situation, you made me make this choice. You know, you played your hands well. Well, fuck you. Yeah. No, it was definitely, um, there was definitely a lot of uh, emotion behind her, her statement. Mm-hmm. Is, is your reading that's vindictive or are you just uncertain at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's it seems that way. Okay, okay. So I'm trying to figure out where you stand in that scene and I'm not sure if you're not giving much information because there's later stuff you can't reveal or if it's, 
if it's just like yet to be seen. I just don't think we have a lot on Skylar's thought process because she hasn't been able to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw some of it. Um, we saw that she feels like she's doesn't want she she just feels very stuck where she's at right now and she doesn't have any moves and then she saw ted and saw a move she could make and took the move and then threw it i mean she threw it at walt's face um but i felt very much in spite of his outward demeanor she seemed very she seemed to take some pleasure in knowing that she had a move now that she could tell him Hmm. that would very much affect him when he's mm. acting like nothing else affects him. Yep. Hmm. So I, I think there's enough there to go off of, but it, I, I'm probably gonna be proven wrong next episode, which is fine. I think this is the fun predicting watching the show. Uh, I, I think one big plot device that's kind of done throughout the show a lot is that you take a character and you limit what they can do. You limit their control over their life and then you see what they're going to do to overcome that. And a lot of times it's something erratic. A lot of times it's something big. When Walt doesn't have control, he starts making meth. When Hank doesn't have control, he starts a fist fight. Uh, when, what did Jesse do when he didn't have control? I think he just went into like a drug state or something. I don't know. He, he, he did something. Uh, Has Jesse ever had control? <sighs> okay. Okay. True. True. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a moment when he did. He's just kind of like riding, riding the uh, the waves, if anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Skyler doesn't have control. She does this. Uh, so I, I think I think it's gonna be interesting to see where this plays out. Uh, my now one thing I'll add. This is one's going a little bit long, but uh, I I think my my predictions about the series are a little bit off kilter at the moment i had a prediction that skylar was gonna get killed and that uh maybe walt jr is gonna get killed and what was gonna be taken to some sort of uh uh plant or something like that wherever he was doing the the, wherever that laundromat was or something i assume that wasn't for chickens it it could still be for chickens but i don't know what to be using like dryers for that doesn't quite make sense to me but it seems less likely now because we have like all these pieces here and they could align in that direction, but it seems like they're going different places. So it's, it's still a possibility that might happen. We have the twins as a wild card. So the twins, if anything, are going to be the ones that are going to act upon something. You know, they might just go and you already know this go to Walt's house and just like put an ax and start doing stuff. So it's a possibility, but I, I don't know where it would go exactly now, except for just, I don't think we know enough information about these pieces and where they're going. Okay. Sorry, I didn't leave you much to say anything on there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. No, you're good. So, So, okay. So if you guys like this reaction, definitely leave a like, comment, subscribe, do the thing, ring a ding ding, and Patreon. Where is it? Well, it's uh, morepeppin.com. That's more, as in like, I want more, Pepin, right? Dot com. And until next time, you guys have a great day.